Hey, it's Pastor. I am so excited you could join us uh, as we hear and listen to the Word of God. And I'm always hoping and praying that He's going to specifically guide your life and give you the hope and the peace that you cannot give to yourself. He is the power every time He promises to work through this Word. If He has worked in your life, we want to hear about it. Please email us, let us in, encourage us uh, by emailing office.amazinglove at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry, make messages like this ongoing, uh, go to our giving tab online or download the app. Go to the app store and search Amazing Love Luther. But now, may you continue to grasp how wide, high, and deep and long is the love of Christ in this for you. It's hard not to see the correlation between a veteran, a soldier, and a Savior named Jesus, right? For you consider, he left the comfort and the companionship of home, leaving the angels, the cohort there, and his father to come down to some brutal conditions. Not basic training, but a barn. Living among literal animals. Plush, cushy, and gourmet were not words associated with Jesus' time here, even though he was entitled to them all. And Jesus, well, he paid the ultimate sacrifice, right? Just as our altar says, that he died once for all so that all who believe in him can know the forgiveness that we have. And because of him, I get to remind you, you're entitled to plush, gourmet, and cushy. Plush is the place we will all live someday. You have a heavenly home because of Jesus, the Savior. Gourmet is what we're going to eat. There's heavenly feasts we're going to have. And cushy is even right now, because you get to live with the knowledge of peace, of forgiveness. You get to live knowing that he's going to walk with you until you see him face to face. How good is our God? How greater is that sacrifice? As we consider soldiers, as we consider 
veterans, I want to set up a hypothetical situation. Let's say there is a soldier who has completed basic training, and they're being sent into war. They're going to be put on the front lines into the fray. That soldier goes into fighting and comes back the first day with this report. Cap, you wouldn't believe what happened out there. They were trying to kill me. Bullets were flying past my head. It was dangerous. Cap, you, this thing is crazy. Didn't know it was going to happen. Now, is a soldier surprised that enemies trying to take their life? No, that's why they call it war. You might have been shocked by it, but this is exactly what you train for, right? We're gathered as Christians, and we see some similarities. You know what some church fathers refer to the church on earth as? I don't know if you can fill in the blank. Um, the church, does anyone know? The church militant. Very good. And the reason this title is given is to remind you and to remind me, do you know you're at war? And do you know that you're a soldier in the fray, on the front lines? And if that is the case, if you're really being sent to the front lines, I do believe, here's a first takeaway, the first point for today, that Christians shouldn't be surprised by suffering persecution or demonic attacks. If we understand who we are and where we are, we would understand that if we're really in the front lines, this is going to happen. We're going to face attacks. We're going to face suffering. People are not going to like the fact that we step up in the name of Christ. It shouldn't surprise us. Christ's follower named Paul, he warned Christians in Ephesus about this. He said, said here, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, so it's not literal warfare. But look at this. It's against rulers, authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Yep, we're at war. But were you surprised this past week? Were you surprised at the story that came out of Sutherland, Texas? When 26 people lost their lives because they were worshiping Christ? Now, the good thing in this country is that this isn't normal. I don't want it to be normal. <laughs> um, and we will pray for these people. But it shouldn't surprise us. And here's why. We're at war. We've always been at war. In fact, um, if you have more of a global knowledge of what's going on in Christianity, some scholars say that the last 10 years in, in Christian history have been the worst as far as persecution go. Um, I was listening to a pastor named Craig Rochelle, and it's where we draw the series from called Different. And these were some of the statistics he said. He said in an average month, get this, that 300 Christians are killed, that 200 churches are burned, and 800 Christians are beaten or physically persecuted in some way. In an average month, we're at war. We will face persecution. And that's what we want to talk about today. But there's hope. And we're going to get to that. Not going to leave you empty. There is hope. And, and so let's get into our, our lesson. And the context that Peter is writing into is similar to our context, whether it be Sutherland, Texas, or something else, because he's writing to the people who are under Nero's regime. And, and Nero was known for taking Christians and dipping them in hot wax and tying them to trees and setting it on fire so there would be candles for his dinner parties. This was a sick dude. Um, and into this... Peter is writing about persecution and the perspective that we should have. And there's some crazy words. They're comforting words, but they're kind of crazy. They're different for sure. 
and we're going to consider them today. So I invite you to um, turn to your lesson now. It's either in your worship folder or on the screen um, as we read from 1 Peter. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised. That's what I was saying. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal. Some think that he was referencing what Nero was doing. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Strange Things is a series on Netflix. It shouldn't be when you're attacked because of Jesus, okay? It's not strange when it happens, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of the glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. This is the words that we get to consider. Different perspective and persecution. Could you turn to someone next to you and say, He is strong in you. He is strong in you. He is strong in you. Let's get going. I'm assuming that many of you have played sports before. Yeah? Okay. Um, have you ever gotten to the level where you knew who the opponent's greatest player was? I hearken back to my days on JV football. I played both ways. It was the highlight of my time. And um, I remember playing this one dude from Lodi who we call Little Ron Dane. Now, that might be a weird reference, but it's a college reference. He was Ron Dane, a Wisconsin Badger. They're actually doing pretty well. Um, but this running back was so good that it took three guys to get him down. In fact, it, it went, as the game unfoiled, we knew that we just needed to do as much as we could to stop that guy. We were gunning for him, and still it was tough. Sometimes you know the opponent's best player. It reminds me back in the day when the New Orleans Saints were known for targeting. And you remember one of the people they targeted? This guy named Brett Favre, I think his name was. Right? Sometimes you gun for the best player. That's the starters, but then you consider the bench warmers. I don't know a coach who plans a strategy against the bench warmers. I don't. You know, bench warmers, they might look cute in their clean, perfect uniforms and do really good when it's warm-up time, um, but, but no one knows their names. No one is scared about the bench warmers because, you know, you can't win by getting the statistics all right. You know, it's just not the same. Uh, I'm just curious, by the way, how many of you were ever starters in your respective sport? And who are bench warmers like me? Where are my friends? Yes, yes, bench warmers. Okay. I want to bring this to... The, the Christian dynamic and what we're talking about today. And I understand that in Christianity, there are different levels by the grace of God. And sometimes there are those who are very vocal and stepping out and, and on the front lines for God. They're going to do whatever it takes to follow him, talk about him. And then, well, they're the bench warmers. Those who are just kind of riding the pine. Those who say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but, you know, that, that's as far as they take it. If you are the enemy who is the devil, and we know he's real, who are you going to be gunning for? Wouldn't you think you would gun for those who are trying to step out and stand up for Jesus Christ? And that is the first point that I would like to share with you is this. When you become a threat in the kingdom of God, I believe you also become a target. And for some of you, this might be convicting. 
Because maybe you're talking about persecution and you're legitimately saying, when have I ever been persecuted for Jesus? And I have to warn you, you might not be doing it right. I have to warn you, it may be because you're right in the pine. And because if you've served Christ, if you're going out into different environments, if you're trying to talk to your friends about Jesus or live for him at work, I think that at some point you recognize that you're a target. Sometimes I recognize this being a pastor. I was reading an article um, of the five confessions of, of pastors in the trenches. And you know what uh, confession number five was of the pastors? They said this. They said, I feel like I am at the front lines of the attacks of the enemy. And I would like to give you a window into my world a little bit. Um, I remember being at Hickory Creek Middle School and all of the things that could go wrong on a Sunday morning. I remember sprinting down the hallways just to find an extension cord so we could plug in the projector so I could preach a sermon using PowerPoint. All these things that could musically go wrong. The stage was in disarray. All the things on a Sunday that can potentially go wrong as a detail person so that hopefully you're less of a threat that Sunday because you're discombobulated or it doesn't work. Some of you might remember those days. I, I know when my wife tries to serve in fusion. There's a crazy percentage of the times when my wife serves in fusion and Nadia throws up on the way there. It's, it's unbelievable. It's uncanny. And Why? Because the devil knows. My wife is a threat. And she's going to represent Jesus. She's going to talk about Jesus. And if he can get her off, he's going to do whatever he can. You ever wonder why it's so hard to get to church? Like, you can wake up at 6 a.m. every day for your job, but something about 8 a.m. on Sunday is like, I'm in quicksand, right? You know, this is just mission impossible, right? And then if you have kids, right? It is a Herculean effort to have more than one child here who is dressed in a matching outfit, you know, on time for service. Like, we understand, right? And you need to know what's working behind the scenes. I believe there's a real enemy who understands that you're a threat today. He doesn't want you to be here because you might walk out talking about Jesus. You might walk out being a little bit different at work this week. You might walk out advancing the kingdom of God. So he doesn't want to have any of that happen. You're a target. But who's on our side? Before we throw this massive pity party, before we feel like we're a soldier without the right ammunition, who's on our side? Ha-ha! Do you remember the story of David and Goliath? Okay, so there's this big giant. Let's get the picture. He's over nine feet tall. He is the champion of the Philistine army, right? And, and they're so scared of this giant that there is no man in all of Israel who wants to go against him. Everyone is quaking. Everyone is shaking, except for a shepherd boy named David. And, and he's a scrawny teenager, I don't know if there's any teens in the building. Like, he's not, he doesn't have the dad bod or the man bod. He's the, you know, you know what I'm talking about. He's a teenager, right? Um, so he's got none of that going on, and yet this teenager says, I got it, guys, you know? Which is even ridiculous in our connotation if we sent a teenager to do what men are supposed to do, right? Um, and, and what does he say? Why is he going to take down Goliath? It's because I am a great, scrawny teenager, Look at my muscles. I do 20 pull-ups. No. No. Does anyone remember the speech he gave Goliath after Goliath called him a dog? If you're a fan of trash talking, like, this is worse than Reggie Miller. Are you ready for these words? This is, this is on the, the new level. Like, look what he says. He says, David said to the Philistine, Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, 
I come against you? In the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I'll strike you down and cut off your head. And this very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Does he know how to trash talk? But what's his confidence? Say, he comes in the name of the Lord. You know, that pastor in Sutherland, Texas, um, was interviewed, and, and he lost his daughter. He wasn't in worship, uh, Pastor Pomeroy. And um, it said that he was able to forgive the shooter. Now, why was he able to forgive the shooter of someone who took the life of his daughter? There's some parents in the building who are like, how is that possible? You know why? Because he comes in the name of the Lord. And you might have friends who don't understand your priorities. And you might have family who tries to get in the way of what it is to follow God. But you know what? You can face those obstacles because you come at it in the name of the Lord. And if you ever feel like a target, you need to know I do too. But guess what? We are still here. And we are still proclaiming there is the Lord Almighty, the God of angel armies, the God who conquered death and the devil who rose again on the third day is still by our side and he's better than any bazooka, he's better than any grenade, he's fighting for us, friends. So here's the first point. We're threatened by an enemy but strengthened by a stronger Savior. And I need to hear this. I need to hear of someone stronger than me because I am not that strong. You know what I'm saying? In fact, if, if we're real, we're, we're real with the fact that we could never win the battle on our own. We, we don't have what it takes. When I was talking about being a bench warmer, sometimes I am a bench warmer Christian. Can you relate? Sometimes my life doesn't look that different than the rest of the world. In fact, isn't it true that sometimes a Christian community can look not any different, but rather exactly the same? Because in this community, we can all struggle with certain things, whether it be greed, whether it be lust, whether it be drunkenness, whether it be gossip. Friends, if the battle were up to us, man, we'd all be lost. So I get to remind you of the strong man Jesus. I get to remind you that at his name, every demon and every enemy flees. I get to remind you that he's also known as the head crusher because he crushed the head of the enemy, the devil, on the cross. And that cross is for us, for our forgiveness, for our victory. I want you to know if you're just joining us, if, if you're new to the Christian faith, um, you don't have to, again, fight the battle on your own. The battle for salvation has been won through Jesus. And the victory is yours as a gift. That's what I love to proclaim. And so I do believe he fought for us, and he still fights with us. You know, as I was writing the sermon, sometimes I listen to music to get me in the right mind frame. And I was writing this certain portion, uh, the gospel portion that I was talking about, and the song came on, and it was so phenomenal, I wanted to share it with you. It's quickly become one of my new favorite songs. Um, it's by a, a little group called Hillsong. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Um, but I wanted to share with you real quick uh, the song called Not Today, and pay attention to the lyrics, okay? So let me uh, use the screen in our sound system here. Still thought 
some of those lyrics that just uh, caused me to pause. It said, fear must have thought I was faithless when it came from my heart. Second verse, tell me, did the enemy panic as you took up that cross? So I'll sing the night into the morning. I'll sing the fear into your praise. Tell the devil, no, not today. No, not today. And I get to remind you, not today.
No, not when you hear the gospel. Not when you know the victory is won. Not today are you going to be down and live empty. So God can empower us. And as we talk about his power working through us, we're also warned about suffering for the wrong reasons. And um, I don't know if you've ever noticed, like, kids playing, and you knew it was only a matter of time before they got hurt. You ever been there? Like, they're roughhousing, and it's just a matter of time before someone, you know, bumps their head on the furniture, someone in the pool, right? Um, For me, um, I just think it's a matter of time for anyone who does parkour. Does anyone know what parkour is? It's this rapid movement where you don't use, you know, the things that were built for you to use, like stairs and ladders and elevators. And um, there's only one segment of, of things that should do parkour. And that one segment of things that should do parkour are goats. Let me illustrate. So, so goats, they're really good at parkour, okay? And, and they're cute, you know. I mean, you can watch this all day and be entertained. They got the kick, you know, laying on their feet, you know. Um, it's all good. Right? In general, these goats. But there are other things that should not try it. Okay, so there's not a good goat. Like this dude. This dude should not be doing what he's about to do. Um, It's not good. Right. And look what he does. No, that's not. You didn't didn't make it. That's that's not. Or this dude, you know. I don't. And and you knew it was going to happen before they did it. That's the thing. You shouldn't do such things. It's not going to end well. You're not in the right clip series. Just a warning. Right? Okay, just a couple more. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. You know, yeah, no, uh uh-uh, no, no. And look how high this is. All into the body splat. So, I mean, but, but you knew it was inevitable, didn't you? I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say you should probably use the stairs. So, so, so God is talking to us, and he's warning us, sometimes your life is bad, but it's bad because you're shooting yourself in the foot, okay? And, and when we look at verse 15, uh, look what it says. It says, if you should suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. So, so basically what he's warning us is, is about this. See to it that you're not suffering because of your sin. See, one of the defining thoughts about today is sometimes you're suffering, but it's not because of Jesus. It's because of something you're locked into. You know, in the house of God today, there might be some people who have messed up relationships, and it's not because of Jesus, it's because of the sin of unforgiveness. Might be some financial difficulties, and it's not because God wasn't gracious, it's the sin of greed. There might be some ruined relationships, ruined reputations, uh, not because of standing up for Jesus. It's not that flack. It's because of gossip. And so it's gut check time. Is there any direct suffering you have right now? It's not because of Jesus, but just because of sin. If so, there's a solution. It's one word. It's called repentance. It's one word with many parts. Repentance is just saying, Lord, I'm sorry. Repentance is also going the step further and saying, Lord, forgive. And then it's saying, Lord, if there is this root system in my life of this sin, I want you to pull up every root. Get rid of every uh, thing that entangles, everything that would get in the way, Lord, root it up. And I get to remind you that angels rejoice over repentance. I get to remind you and me that we are forgiven for the sins that, that shoot us in the foot. And I also get to remind you that there's a spirit 
the Spirit of God, the counselor who came after Jesus returned, and he helps us to, to, to rip out those roots of sin in our life so we don't have to be slaves to righteousness. We'll never be perfect or slaves to sin, but we can be slaves to righteousness. He can work in you. But see to it that you're not again suffering because of your own sin. Rather, repent. Repent. But there's a final thing I want to talk with you today about, and the reason that it really changes our perspective and persecution. I want to talk a little bit about camaraderie. You know, sometimes there's a camaraderie with people who have different stickers on their cars. For example, you can have the sticker on your car, and you have camaraderie with everyone else who ran a... And remember, the first person who did that died. It wasn't an example to be followed. So I know some people have done it, but it's not. Anyway, so for me, I just love, I always feel linked by this sticker. Um, it's, a, it's a better sticker. Um, and, and sometimes, I don't know if any of you have heard of the CrossFit craze. And it's just like this crazy camaraderie. I, I was Facebook stalking someone. I mean, I don't do that. Um, and... Um, and they were traveling from California to Wisconsin looking for a CrossFit box. And it's like out of nowhere, had like 23 comments of all the people he'd never met. Like, come to my box. It's awesome, you know. And for me, I don't know if there's like the secret handshake or something that they do to be in CrossFit. But there's, there's definite camaraderie. Have you ever experienced this? For me, it's uh, uh, my, my MLC baseball team. We spent so much time playing catch, BP, and pepper that every time we see we're, we're just buds. Um, I consider the camaraderie you have as, as veterans. If anyone has ever served in the same branch um, of the service, maybe there's just this immediate, oh yeah, you, you know what we're talking about. Well, today I think we should pursue a different camaraderie. And it's not an easy one. You've got some rigors to go through. What I want to talk to you about is seeking camaraderie with Christ. And, and there's a pathway to it. The pathway to it comes in verses 13 and 16. Um, let me read those again. It says, Rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Look again in 16. If you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear the name. What our God is telling us and why our perspective can change is because when we suffer for his name, we have camaraderie with Christ. And so, how does this play in our lives? It may mean that you don't get called back for that second date because you have boundary lines of purity that are informed by faith. And that might sting, but you need to know you have a head nod from our Lord Jesus Christ who gets it in camaraderie with him. It means that you might not even get invited to the neighbor's party because all the neighbors know you have different priorities. And you might see on Facebook, you're the only neighbor who's not at that house. And that might sting. But you have a head nod from Christ. It means you might go into work and they turn their back in conversation. They turn their back at the water cooler because they know you confess Jesus and they don't want to hear it today. And that might sting, but you need to know you have a head nod from our Lord Jesus Christ and camaraderie with him. Let us seek such things. You know, one final thought. I was listening to the pastor Pomeroy in, in Texas. And uh, he had something that I thought was relevant for our discussion today. As he was talking about what happened, he also evidenced the mission of their church. He, he said this. He said, he, the shooter, was used by a dark power to accomplish something that was beyond him. We need to stay strong to reach those that may be in that same position before they're used by that dark power and rather can be used by God.
And isn't that the mission that we have as we reach the lost? Is to go into the front lines and understand that there might be obstacles, understand it might be hard at times, but to make sure they can be called out of darkness into the wonderful light that we stand in to be used by God. May he empower us to do us, to do that. Now let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I love to hear about your strength, for we need it. Please continue to embolden our activity and even rejoice in suffering. I'm reminded of all those who are flogged and imprisoned and, and they still sang praises that very night. Help us to have such a spirit because you are strong. In Jesus' name, amen.